Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Just a quick content warning before we get into this episode with Paulette. Paulette shares her personal experience of um, abusive family relationships. So just check in with yourself if that's a conversation that you feel able to hear today and listen to. Hi everyone and I'm really really happy to welcome today's guest Paulette to the podcast. So let me tell you about Paulette. So we're joined by author Paulette J. Buchanan who takes the reader through her lifetime of abuse at the hands of her four older brothers in her book Fighting for Justice which I'm sure we'll hear about. Uh, She describes their continuation of abuse into their adult years in part carried out by their weaponization of the court system to file meritless harassing lawsuits against her, her husband and against others. Paulette details the arduous fight in which she and her husband have been forced to engage in order to finally secure long overdue judgments against these brothers. So Paulette, thank you for joining us. Um, wow, um, sounds like a lot that, you, that you've yeah. been through and you've experienced, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was reading yesterday about some people who um, dwell on the past and the good old days. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think I really have any good old days. Um, It has been quite an arduous fight. Um, And I know different personalities respond differently to situations like this. Um, I've always been a fighter. I think that's the biggest thing right there. There's been a significant age gap between myself and my brothers, especially when you're younger, you know, the the more years there are, the, the more there is that gap. But more than that, there's also a personality um, difference. Um, I, you know, so many people have asked me about the origin of my brother's behavior. And I think it really goes back to that argument of nature versus nurture. Um, my parents, you know, they, they weren't perfect parents by any means. Um, they had their old traditional ways of doing things. But at the same time, I think they really did truly try their very best. And there weren't a lot of mental health helps out there. Um, There just wasn't. And I think even the field has still, it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to develop. And I think that with my brothers too, especially that they were born with certain personality predispositions. That isn't to say they're not accountable for what they've done, but it is to say that they have a predisposition towards certain things. All of them have had issues with substance abuse whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, and and just they've had certain issues. Um, And it's also a genetic thing. I think that uh, on my mother's side, she had two uncles, very large family, um, her father had. And yet there were two uncles who were just really malevolent. And one of them actually died in a prison for the criminally insane because he had raped children. And on my father's side, um, his father was really abusive and horrible. 
And it's interesting because the family members who were good and healthy and beneficial to society, you know, they all avoided those particular family members. And um, they all tried to help my mother on her side and they tried to help my father on his side of the family. And I, I see so much. One of the things I recount in my book is how I had a conversation with my dad's aunt, my great aunt, who was the sister to my dad's father. And when she was describing her brother, my grandfather, to me, it was as if she were describing a few of my brothers. And so you could see those traits, that predisposition coming out. Again, it doesn't escape the fact that they are accountable for what they've chosen to do. I have seen my brothers laughing hysterically when they thought that they could get away with doing something harmful and, and mean, malevolent even to people. Uh, they know it's wrong. I've heard them admit that they would never want anyone doing these kinds of things to them. Um, they are very narcissistic. They are pathological. Um, the, every single one of them has abused women and their own children to one degree or another. And ironically, my father never, ever abused my mother. Um, by the time I came along in 1961, they were pretty much had kind of argued themselves out. They had gone almost through a divorce. Uh, they almost finalized it. And then they realized, no, they really do love each other. Um, and I, I just think that my brothers, I don't know, they just were never happy with their present circumstances. Um, we were a middle-class family. Um, and it just, I've known other families like this. I've been a teacher. Um, I'm, I'm not teaching right now. I'm a former teacher at this point. But I have seen families like that where you never even know that the siblings were related to each other. They are so different in personality. Um, and I've seen parents who were absolutely horrible to their children, and I didn't see their children turning out anywhere near as badly as my brothers have. You know, it really gets down to individual choices that people make um, and not taking advantage of the good things that are out there that would help them in their circumstances. Um, they've all had run-ins with the law. They've all had run-ins with being um, involuntarily committed into mental health facilities. Um, none of that has happened with me. I, the worst thing I've ever done is gotten a speeding ticket. <laughs> so, you know, I've just, it's been a complete opposite in many, many ways. Um, I chose my profession as a teacher really when I was still in elementary school. I loved working with my classmates, even working with kids younger than I am to help them to learn things. I've been a tutor since my teen years. And again, it just was a lifelong passion to be a teacher. And, and I always used to tell my students, you know, I'm learning from you as much as you're learning from me, because I don't know everything. And you guys may come across something that I just don't know. So we're all here in this boat together to, to try to help each other. Um, and it's interesting, as a teacher, you do try to help these children to get beyond the learning disabilities they may have or whatever it is that's holding them back from doing their best. And I used to call it my Monday morning therapy sessions because especially with the internet, these kids would get on what used to be, um, well, it was, it's a Facebook now, but it used to be MySpace and they would just rip each other to shreds. And I'd say, you know what? You need to guys, you guys need to have FaceTime. You need to get out there with real good, healthy people and interact with others. And I, you know, I, thankfully I had some students who were volunteers um, who worked um, with 
either disabled children or with animals working in a shelter. And those were the ones who were well, more well-rounded, you know, um, the ones who got off the internet and didn't spend inordinate amounts of time. And I would tell the parents, you get your child off that thing. It is not healthy. And you get yourself off of it because it's really not healthy for adults either. Mm-hmm. Um, so there really is kind of an overlap really between teaching. Um, my, my degree is in history. Um, I also ran a, a tutoring center in which I really retaught a lot of the other courses, science, math, English, and, and really just overlapped all of those things. But you can't just teach with just that narrow focus. It really encompasses the whole person. So that really kind of goes into, again, how do you deal with something that is this overwhelming? My brothers have interfered in my employment. They have harassed my employers. They have harassed my husband's employers. What do you do when you're dealing with someone who is a stalker? And it's particularly difficult when it is your own family member, because people say, oh, my, you know, this is your own brother. And people have actually asked this. What did you do to make him so angry at you? It's like I was born <laughs> and I was born female. I'm the only female in my my family. Um, it's just it, it has been this way from day one. I have learned survival skills from day one. And I think too, in my my 20s and a little bit in my 30s, I really thought they were completely out of my life at that point. I had isolated myself from them. I had just gotten on. I never invited them to things. Um, There were a few things which um, they were invited to, but it was always very cautious because I never knew exactly what they were going to do next. Um, But as time has gone on, I've really tried to delve deeply into you know, why is this happening? When so many people ask you, what is the origins of this and everything? And it really kind of made me think about, okay, now how do I cope with this? And how do other families cope with this? Because it's really around the world. I'm sure in the UK, up in Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, United States, anything that has English law seems to have a problem with um, mental health systems. We don't have, for all intents and purposes, a mental health system. When my brothers have been brought in for involuntary treatment, it's only been for a very short period of time and with limited monitoring at all, if if you can call it monitoring. And consequently, um, and here in the States, in certain states that are in the United States, such as where my brother lives in Georgia, you can get a gun easily enough. And that's the dangerous thing. Um, They keep blaming guns. Well, just the other day in the news, somebody attacked um, a school. They killed a child with a knife. Are we going to ban knives? I mean, it's not the guns. It's not the knives. They could do it with their bare hands. It's their mental health issues. Um, Personally, again, what I have had to do, because I, this does make a person depressed. My husband and I have been through a counseling. How do you deal with being stalked? Um, we've actually had a few counselors say, I, I'm so sorry, I can't help you because this is triggering my own experience of being stalked because it is a common problem because we don't have an effective law enforcement or an effective mental health system. So we're really kind of left on our own. So what do we do then? And I have to say, I mean, one way I am a person of faith. I do wake up every day. Believe me, I've had my arguments with the almighty. (laughs) I have also told myself, you know what? There is a whole big world out there and I cannot blind myself to all the goodness that's still out there. And I have said that with tears streaming down my my eyes with my my fist clenched. And I have, have said it in such a way that again, I make that 
mindful determination to say, you know what, people are relying on me today, whether it's my husband, well, people aren't, my, my cats aren't people, but they're, they're beings nonetheless. So I have to, and cats can pick up on, pets can pick up on our, our emotions. Um, sometimes they can try to even comfort us. And we have to fulfill our obligations. We have to fulfill our responsibilities. I am determined to not add to the problems of this world. And in some strange way, I mean, I, I've talked to um, our priests about this. I feel like in one way, I'm kind of obligated to help make up for the damage my brothers have done. As strange as that may sound, there's only so much I can do, of course. But I think to myself, you know what? They have chosen to do harm to people. I'm going to choose to do good. It's what I've chosen to do since my childhood. It's not the driver in front of me who's at fault for what I'm going through and the anguish in my heart. It's, it's not anyone else's fault. A lot of people are going through some very bad times. Um, a kind word to people to really, in a sense, be very mindful of my surroundings and try to say, you know what, that person looks really depressed. You know, that could be the cash register, you know, the cashier. And, and you know, just to say a kind word to make them appreciate it, know that they're appreciated. That means the world to people. It is amazing what a, one little good thing can do to lift somebody's spirit. And I do try to keep that in mind. It's I'm not perfect by any means, but I, I do try to keep that in mind because there is so much that can weigh you down in this world just with all the things that are happening in the world. But when you have something like this, it really just bears down. Um, we've had to deal with death threats. Um, we have um, security systems inside and outside of our house. This is the way we live because of the stalking situation. He's still out there. Um, he's been warned by the police, but nothing more. Um, we now have um, judgments and injunctions against him to prevent him from continuing to stalk us through the courts, which is a common problem. Um, you know that, in again, English law, it has a good idea that anybody can go to the court petition, but unfortunately there are people who take advantage of that and use it to imprison their, de their defendants, their victims. Um, but, you know, there's also... I guess because, again, because of my faith, I take an eternal perspective on this. And I think to myself, this is his paradise. You know, this is their paradise, whatever they're doing. This is all they're going to get in this life. And I've got to aim for something beyond this life. Um, you know, I've read credible accounts of people who've gone through near-death experiences, and they talk about this beam of love, and they talk about the life review, and what did they do with their lives here on this earth? And although that's always been important to me, it makes it all that more poignant when you're going through something like this to re really reevaluate, okay, what are my own choices? You know, what are the things I'm doing um, that are good, bad, and uh, things I need to change? Um, and you almost reach a point, somebody may call it fatalism, but it's not. It's like, you know what? If he comes to my house and he blows us away with his AR-15, I need to make sure I die a good death. I need to make sure I'm at peace with myself, at peace with other people, at peace with God. And it, it's a horrible way in one way. I've, I've talked to people who come out of places like Lebanon and Iraq who have grown up with all kinds of violence and they reach that same point. It's like, I don't know. I mean, any one of us really, we could have an accident. You never know when your time is up. And I think to myself, that isn't the worst thing that can happen. It's living a life without meaning and purpose. 
that's the worst thing that can happen. And I am determined to do that. And it can be very hard. Again, I can have wake up with a nightmare. Oh, and then it's like, it really just sets the tone. And, and I tell myself, you know what? That was a bad dream. And it's my mind's way of trying to cope with and trying to make sense of the senseless. But today is another new day. Today is this moment. And I'm going to live it the best I can. And it is literally a, a moment by moment decision to do that. And you, you know, you can feel the, the negative emotions coming in and rushing in and stuff like that. And I think it is important that you give yourself time to grieve. Um, one of the things I mentioned in my book, again, these are my brothers. These are people I grew up with. There were good times we had. Um, I, I mentioned in my book that the two worst emotions to have simultaneously are intense anger and intense grief. Um, they, they just are overwhelming. And the way you can only deal with that is to try to keep it as best in perspective as possible and just say, you know what, there is a bigger world out there and it's not just all about me. And I've got to make sure I'm enjoying life the best I can and helping others to enjoy their lives the best they can. You know, doing podcasts like this, helping people to maybe get a different perspective on things, to pull away from their circumstance and say, yes, there are things I can do. And thankfully, there are good people, good counselors who can help. My husband and I have had good counselors. Um, we were having problems with sleeping. Um, they helped us with some medication to help with that upon occasion. I wasn't dependent on it. I did not want to get dependent upon it. Um, but you know, one of the, uh, our counselors said, do you think you need antidepressants? And it's like, well, the, the biggest antidepressant I could have would be an end to this. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and one of them actually did say, this is circumstantial. You should be depressed over this. This is a normal reaction. And I think we try to avoid bad experiences. We try to resolve them too quickly. And I think whether it's a terminal illness or whether it's a terminal stalking situation outside of our control, we have still the control to make a choice to say, you know what, despite this, I am going to live a productive life. I am going to be grateful for every good little thing I have. There are days I've awakened again after a bad dream or just not a good night's sleep. And I've heard these beautiful birds singing outside. And that is just such a wonderful thing. Just that little tiny thing. Um, any number of things be in a store and I can be kind of like grumpy and, you know, bad people driving and doing all kinds of crazy things. And yet I'll hear a child laugh. And it's like, just that it brings you back to the bigger picture of life. There are good things in this life. Um, I had students who were in bad situations um, dealing with things that was well beyond their years of knowing how to deal with them. And some of them had become suicidal. And boy, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm not a psychotherapist, but you have to, you can't just ignore it. You know, as a basic human decency, you just can't ignore this. And, and to try to help them to cope by saying, here are the good things you have going for you, you know, and, and remind yourself of that. Life is worth living. And it, it is, it can be a very, very difficult thing for a lot of people. But again, I'm grateful for folks like you and others who are there to say, hey, you know what? We can pull you out of this. We're all in this together. There are other people who are going through bad things, but we're all trying to get through this 
And we have a way to get through it. And that is look for every little thing you have to be grateful. Your eyesight, you know, I'm thankful I, I do gardening. And I just love to see these beautiful flowers growing from these little ugly seeds. You know? <laughs> and it's little things. It's the littlest things to, to take that time to say, wow, that's really pretty. A beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. Wow, that's really pretty. You know, or that cloud looks like a weird duck. <laughs> little funny things like that, you know, and, and trying to find that little sense of humor of, of things, you know, um, it's something that again it's moment by moment it's amazing thank you so much for, for everything you've shared and some amazing um advice in there as well with your story all kind of weaved through beautifully and I just struck by the kind of the contrast of something that can be so overwhelming and difficult and then these tiny little joyful amazing moments can be what you need to kind of break through it Mm-hmm. is such an amazing contrast isn't it they can feel such a big thing and maybe it's not a big thing that's needed to sort of help you feel better it's the small things but they all add up yeah absolutely um, and again I mean you can be grateful even through tears I think again you need to experience the tears give yourself the time to grieve and then say okay I have cried my eyes out enough now I'm going to get on with living and, and it really is that determination. I don't feel like it. I feel like crawling into a hole, but you know what? I have value and I have purpose on this, this weird earth that can be so mean sometimes and yet so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I am going to add to the beauty. I'm going to add to the goodness. I'm going to, I'm going to choose love. And I'm also going to choose to stand up for myself when people act like jerks <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, I mean, honestly, um, I'm sure every woman has experienced this when you're in the store and all of a sudden some weird guy starts following you. And I I remember going down um, the shampoo aisle and he kept following me and I finally turned to him. You know, I'm five foot two. I'm not a very tall person. I turned to him and I said, really? (laughs) And it's like, he got it. He knew I'm a fighter. I'm not putting up with that. And I think there are times that has to do with, I have value. And maybe that can challenge that person to say, think twice before you do this to somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's, it's taking care of yourself. It's, it's good nutrition. It's good exercise. It's amazing what a walk will do to clear your head. It, it really is amazing. Um, you know, it's funny. I, there are some people, whether it's bad weather or whatever, we have a little walking area in our house where I just walk in my house. If I can't get outside, I walk in my house. Um, or I'll get in the car and I'll go to like one of the malls or with, with one of the big box stores, you know, and, and walk and just walk and just look at things, you know, and, and give your, give your mind that rest, that little vacation. And again, it, it does help with the hormones, you know, the in, um, endorphins to get those flowing again. Yeah. Do what you can take care of yourself. Because I almost sometimes think, okay, what would I be telling myself if I were outside myself and I'm feeling this way? What would be the things I've told my students, my friends, you know, other people, what would be those things? And you kind of talk yourself through it because you, again, you have value, you have worth, you have meaning and purpose in this life. And that is really important to grab hold of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I Paulette, I could keep talking to you. Um, about your life and and um you know the lessons that you've learned through it for forever um but we only have a certain amount of time so I'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions 
sure. I ask everyone. Um, and so the first one is about our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental well-being. So what does mental well-being mean to you? Well, again, it, it means taking good care of yourself. Um, I can remember reading about stories of people who've been in prisoner of war camps and um, you're in the same situation as everybody else, but different people have different reactions and you've got to give yourself those mental vacations, those mental breaks, listen to some good music or replay it in your own mind. Um, do everything you can to put yourself in a good space and make sure, again, you're taking care of yourself. It doesn't mean denial of reality because that will rip you in the rear end at some point in time. So you've got to make sure you're dealing with reality and you're dealing with it with a good, healthy mind. But you've got to give yourself those mental breaks and you, you've got to, again, look at the bigger picture of things. It's not all about what you're going through. There are a whole world of things out there and just embrace everything that's good and loving and show gratitude be grateful for things yeah lovely thank you and I and I think you've answered this but I'll ask you anyway in case you want to add anything so how you look after your own mental well-being yeah it, it like I said it's a day-by-day moment-by-moment situation um I'm grateful for every good friend that we have that has stayed by us throughout all of this ordeal because some of them were harassed by my brother as well um the one brother in particular and um, just good nutrition. I, I really I enjoy eating vegetables, um, good meats. You've got to, when you're going through stress, you've got to really focus on good proteins um, and you've got to focus on the good carbohydrates. And I have to admit, I am, uh, I can be a real, <laughs> real pig when it comes to like carbohydrates, <laughs> um, the salty stuff. It's not the sweet stuff, the donuts, nah, it's the salty stuff. And you have to discipline yourself to say, you know, I can do this. I, I'm not going to medicate myself with food or anything else. Um, I've known actually years ago, there was a woman I met and she medicated herself over exercising. And she would literally run like 10 miles, 15 miles a day. And she literally was getting down to like skin and bones. She, that's not taking care of yourself. There's a, you have to find balance. You have to find good nutrition. When your body's going through stress, it's craving proteins and it's craving, craving good nutrition. Give your body what you need. Take good care of yourself. Be your, be your own best nurse and your own best doctor and your own best mother. Mm. <laughs> be, and, you know, be, be your good parent to yourself. Be your good nurturer to yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, we often say about being a good friend to yourself. I love the idea of being a good parent to mm. yourself um, yeah yeah uh, the next question is my one of my favorite ones to ask uh, so I ask everyone that comes on to share between one and three top tips life tips that could be really beneficial for people if they tried them out so do you have a top one to three life tips for us I think definitely being grateful um, being humble um, listening to others oftentimes when we get stuck in our own world all we want to do is either clam up or we talk too much and we, and, and it's, it's human, you know, and don't be too hard on yourself. Um, but at the same time say, you know what, I will begin again. Um, I've read a lot of really good devotionals by um, a lot of the Christian saints who have struggled a lot through persecutions, through just a lot of inner turmoil. And when you fall, begin again, you know, fess up to it, say, yes, okay, I could have done better, but you know what? I'm going to begin again and don't beat yourself up too much. Learn from it, 
begin again. Today's a new day and be grateful. Look for things to be grateful for. Um, you know, even if you get into a tiff with your spouse or you, you, you know, your cat maybe scratches you or whatever, you know, at the same time, don't let that moment destroy everything. It's, it's not the end of the world. Um, when you go through stress, understand that you are less able to handle stress. So give yourself that, that breather, that break, and make sure you're just keeping a good eye on yourself to say, oh, you know what? Okay, you can do better than that. You know, um, don't beat yourself up, but be grateful. Begin again. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much for those. Um, and so then I, I love to read. You can't see all my books. And I know we're going to remind people of the details of your books, uh, your book in just a moment. Uh, but do you have a recommendation of a book that has been really impactful in your life that you think we should check out? Oh my goodness. I can't really <laughs> narrow it down. There are so many good books. I'm on Kindle and I tell you, I, I'm almost, I have to restrain myself. Um, I, I, I just can't really think of anything. Um, I mean, obviously I read my Bible. I do that. But um, when it comes to real life thing, I think um, there's one, Mother Teresa wrote a book about her own inner turmoil. It's more of a spiritual book. And, you know, if somebody is, again, more spiritually minded, it's Come Be My Light. Yeah, um, that's, that's a really good one, because a lot of people had no idea that in the midst of this woman who gave so much of herself, how she struggled with her own image of how how was, was she loved? Was she loved even by her creator, you know, and she just felt very downhearted that she wasn't really making much of a difference. And, you know, even somebody like a mother Teresa can go through something like that can go through despair, the, the dark night of the soul type of thing. Um, so there are a lot of really good resources out there. I would really recommend for anyone who is wondering about the meaning and value of life to really read good, credible sources of people who have gone through near-death experiences. Um, I believe his name is Dan Burke. He relates a lot of different people who have gone through these um, experiences. He's done a lot of research on that. And uh, that was very, very helpful there's one woman in particular had gone through a lot of abuse in her life and she was very angry at God and, you know, couldn't blame her. Um, and when she went through that, she realized that there was a greater purpose that even out of all of this damaging, horrible stuff that it refines you and you have to allow yourself to be purified by the process. It, it's a horrible purgatory type experience to go through. And I'd, I'd never wish it upon anybody. But at the same time, it does make you a better person. A coworker once told me, you know, I, I told her, it's like, man, I, I just wish I'd never had that set of experiences. And she said, you know what, Paulette, you wouldn't be who you are now without those bad experiences. Mm. And so you allow yourself to be purified with them. You know, don't, don't fight against these things sometimes when I say don't fight against it, stand up for what's right, you know, um, fight for justice. That's the name of my book, fighting for justice, but also allow that circumstance to purify you, to learn about yourself, to learn about even the stalker and, you know, even the bad person doing bad things to you, the abusive person, learn about everything you can and never stop learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. And Paulette, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us. And so my final question is if uh, you can remind us the name of your book, where we can find it and where we can connect with you. 
Yes, it's on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. It's called Fighting for Justice, Religious Fraud, Mental Illness, and the Collapse of Law and Order. Um, it has a red cover to it. There are other books with the title Fighting for Justice. Um, so, it, But it has a red book cover to it. And uh, it has the subtitle, Religious Fraud, Mental Illness, and the Collapse of Law and Order. Um, I bring about the fact that my brother is uh, a cult leader, um, which goes into another form of abuse, um, spiritual abuse, and taking advantage of people in the whole mental illness issue. And again, the collapse of law and order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely. And are you on social media at all? Um, I am on LinkedIn. I hardly ever use it, to be honest. I'm not a big <laughs> social media fan. I just don't. Um, and I, I'm on Goodreads, too. And I, I, I just periodically kind of just um, glance through it every now and again. I'm just not big on social media. And, and a lot of that is because of my brother being on so heavily on social media that he has used that as a form of stalking, not just me, but so many other people as well. So I have to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we will link to your book in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily from there um, and thank you so so much for joining us and for everything that you've shared with us oh thank you hannah thank you so much yeah you're welcome a massive thank you to paulette for joining us and you can connect with me as well on instagram facebook and twitter at Psyche Coaching, PSYKE Coaching. Uh, I always love to hear from you. So please do get in touch with suggestions, with feedback, all of those kind of things. As I said, always love to hear from you and to and to chat. Um, and that is everything. Uh, I'll be back next week when we're joined by Carrie. Um, and we're talking about IVF and fertility and some of the challenges uh, around that when things don't Uh, don't go to plan so please do join us for that another really important conversation to be having as always I'll finish in the same way as always Uh, take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye for now